Proverbs 4 and Proverbs 18. Now in Proverbs 4, beginning with verse 20, it says this, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear to my sayings, let them not depart from thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them, and health of the margin says medicine to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Ours the Amplified says, Keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard, for out of it, out of your heart, are the springs of life. Now, first of all, did you notice in verse 20 and 21, he really is talking about immersion in the Word. When he says, attend to my words, incline your ear to my sayings, don't let them depart from your eyes, keep them in the midst of your heart, their life to those that find them and health or medicine to all their flesh. Now, he's obviously not just talking about being able to find it in the Bible. He's talking about another kind of finding. And like we said, you can hear and not hear. You can see and not see. But you just have to keep on, you know, keep it before your eyes. Keep it in your ears. Keep it in your heart until you find it. Amen. Because the Bible says over in Isaiah, also Isaiah 58, he said, you know, when your light breaks forth as the dawning or morning, then your health is going to spring forth speedily. When you see it. I said, when you see it. Just because you can quote verses does not mean you got revelation from them. Just because you got everybody's brother and sister and cousin's tape series and book on it doesn't mean you have revelation along that line. And I'll tell you one great indicator, something the Lord ministered to me many years ago, is that if something was old to me, it wasn't real to me. For instance, if you know you hear something or somebody quotes a scripture to you and you think, oh yeah, I know that. That's a sign that it's just mental, just head knowledge. You don't have revelation. You don't have light. And so many times that's the way folk respond. And so, you know, he's talking about just immersing oneself in the Word of God. And then he, he gives a word of uh, caution. He said, keep and guard your heart. Guard it. Because out of your heart flow the issues or the springs of life. Now turn on over to the 18th chapter, if you would. Proverbs 18, and let's look at the 14th verse, Proverbs 18, 14. He said, the strong spirit of a man, this is the Amplified, the strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble, but a weak and broken spirit who can raise up or bear. I want to read it again. Listen to it. The strong spirit of a man. This is the Amplified. Sustains him in bodily pain or trouble, but a weak and broken spirit who can raise up or bear. So as we've said before, what's going to get you through tough times in life? Strong spirit. Even life-threatening physical attacks on your body. Even problems with relationships, marriage problems, children problems, money problems, financial difficulties. What's going to get you through those times? 
strong spirit. The Bible said if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. And if you give up and quit, just don't make it, it's because you were weak. Now, when he said strong spirit, that doesn't, that's not just talking about the Holy Ghost. That's talking about your spirit. I said that's talking about your spirit. How many know the Holy Ghost is always a strong spirit? I mean, you don't, you don't have to talk about him being weak or strong because he's never weak. But uh, your spirit, however, is a different situation. <laughs> Over in 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, you can turn there if you want to, if you're, if you're quick. If you're not, you can just listen. 2 Corinthians 4.13, it says it like this. Though the outward man perishes, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Or as the Amplified says, I like the Amplified again on this one. It says, therefore we do not become discouraged. How many understand that's a sign of weakness when you get discouraged? This is 2 Corinthians 4.16. Therefore we do not become discouraged, utterly spiritless, exhausted, and wearied out through fear. Though the outer man is progressively decaying and wasting away, another way of saying that is we're getting older, yet our inner self is being progressively renewed day after day. Spiritually, you never grow old and you never decay. Your inward man can develop and can mature and can grow stronger, but will not grow old. And decay. That's wonderful. I said that's wonderful. Because the inward man can be and should be renewed. Each day. Freshness and regeneration of the Spirit of God. Now if the spirit of a man or woman can be renewed. That obviously reveals that the spirit can be depleted. I said the spirit can be depleted and weak and you expend spiritual energy and resources just like you do physical energy and resources. And so you need to be renewed spiritually just like you need to be renewed physically. But we went into detail about how it takes a strong spirit to receive from God. You have to be strong enough to reach out and lay hold of what God's given you and take it to yourself. That takes a certain amount of strength. Spiritually. And also, it takes spiritual strength to resist the enemy. Even though you believe that you've received, the enemy will try to wear you down. He'll try to work on you. Try to get you to cast your confidence away and give it up. And it takes some endurance to just keep holding on. And just keep keeping on no matter what. And it's not just believing God for three minutes that's going to do it. you just got to believe God until. you just got to hang in there and stay with it. Until. Right? But that takes strength. That takes endurance. And so we went to 1 Timothy 4, if you would uh, go there with me. And we saw two great keys to developing spiritually, becoming strong spiritually. In 1 Timothy 4, 
First Timothy 4. Beginning in verse 6. He said, if you put the brethren in remembrance of these things, these things he'd been talking about, you'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise yourself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. Now he compared some things here. He mentioned nourishment, and he mentioned exercise. And he compared natural with spiritual. And we see that there's a great parallel between physical development and spiritual development. Great parallel. The same things that are true in the natural that causes the human body to flourish and develop are true concerning the human spirit. If you want your body to be strong and developed, then you need to feed it good and you need to exercise it. And if you want your spirit to be strong and developed, then you need to feed it good. And you need to exercise it. Let me read this to you from the Amplified. He said, if you lay all these instructions before the brethren, you'll be a worthy steward and a good minister of Christ Jesus, ever nourishing yourself, your own self, on the truths of the faith and of the good instruction which you've closely followed. But refuse and avoid irreverent legends, profane, impure, godless fictions, mere grandmother's tales, and silly myths, and express your disapproval of them. Train yourself toward godliness, keeping yourself spiritually fit. For physical training is of some value, useful for a little, but godliness, spiritual training, is useful and of value in everything and in every way, for it holds promise of the present life and also of the life which is to come. This saying is reliable and worthy of complete acceptance by everybody. So, nourishing yourself and exercising yourself spiritually are great keys to spiritual development. Now, you might wonder, you know why, well, Brother Keith, I, I've been attacked with sickness and I need to be healed. And, and why are you talking about all this? Well, we've already said. You receive with your spirit. Is that right? And sometimes people, even though they know what belongs to them, their spirit's too weak to receive. And you've got to get your spirit built up so as you can receive. And you've got to get your spirit built up so you can resist the enemy. Both of these are very important. Our text said that it's the strong spirit of a person that's going to get them through even bodily pain and trouble. So this definitely ties into healing, doesn't it? How many are interested in having a strong spirit? Now, you know, you would, be, you would be very incorrect in assuming that most everybody you know has a strong spirit. You'd be incorrect in assuming that everybody that speaks in tongues has a strong spirit. You'd be incorrect in assuming that everybody that quotes scriptures here and there has a strong spirit. Sometimes people that seem to be quite religious, I actually have very weak spirits. And it's not for me to judge you how strong or weak you are for you to judge me, but it's for us to work on ourselves. 
and see to it that we get built up and get strong. And you know, you're not going to be in a position to help other people if it's taking three or four people to prop you up. Right? We need to get built up where we're strong so that we can stand and, and do what we need to do, receive what we need to receive, resist the way we need to, and not only that, help other people. Help other people. Two things, nourishment and exercise. Now, we saw that exercise is a great key. And we haven't talked about that, so we might as well talk about it now. Exercise. Everybody say that word. Exercise. Now, that's not a bad word. Say it again, just for good measure. Exercise. Some of you didn't even want to say that word. You just don't like that word. Say it again. Exercise. Exercise, exercise, exercise. Exercise. It's a good word. It's a Bible word. Let me read some other translations of this to you. In this 1 Timothy 4 about exercise. In one translation he said this. He said, verse 7, he said, Don't waste time. Arguing over foolish ideas and silly myths and legends. Well, there's a lot of folk waste a lot of time on stuff. It's just not worth it. He said, but spend your time and energy in the exercise of keeping spiritually fit. Wonder how fit you are spiritually. Boy, y'all got quiet when I said that. I didn't say yay or nay. I just, I just said wonder. You know, it's real easy to think that you're in better shape than you are. Especially if you're not doing much. Isn't it? I mean, you sit somebody talk about doing something and you think, oh yeah, yeah, I could do that, sure. Yeah, run around the block five times, oh yeah, I could do that. I mean, I hadn't done it in a while, but yeah. Oh yeah, play some basketball, yeah, man, I used to run up and down the courts. Yes, sir. Hour at a time. Yeah, when was that? Uh, <laughs> when was that now? Oh, yeah, I used to, used to do that. Now, when, how long ago was it since you've really done that? And a lot of times you've seen people, I mean, I, more than once, you see people and they get out and, man, they think they can do this and that. And, man, they do, just do a little bit and they're standing over on the side holding their side going, ah, ah, ah. Well, I guess, I guess I, a lot of times they find things to do, you know. I got an appointment I got to, I got to go to and <laughs> they're just not where they thought they were. And it's real easy to be deceived about where you're at in your endurance level, in your strength level. I've seen, uh, in working out with weights and stuff, I've seen guys come in sometimes, sometimes guys that were, you know, fair-sized fellas, but they had never really worked out. And they see somebody doing some weights, you know. They see somebody doing a bench press or something, maybe doing 200 pounds or, you know, 300 pounds or whatever, you know. And they think, well, that don't look all that hard, you know. And so they've never done anything, you know. <laughs> and they see, they see the guy, I mean, he's just pumping it up, pumping it up, pumping it up. And they think, well, I'm bigger than he is, you know. They get down there and, can't get it off the rack. <laughs> well, see, it's one thing to look and think and talk. It's another thing to do. Isn't it? It's 
completely different thing when you actually get out there to do it. And boy, you got all kind of, uh, you know, couch potato experts. Right? And armchair experts. All kind of folk that'll sit and watch the games and watch this and that and just shout about how it ought to be done. You know, dear me. All they had to do was just hold on to the ball. And all they had to do was just, you, you, they just go another three yards. All they had to do was well, they're wide open. Why didn't they, what, what is wrong with you? They're paying you this kind of money and you can't, you got a shot right there. Well, that's easy for you to say. In your air-conditioned comfort of your living room, nothing in your hand but a remote control, eating your potato chips and drinking your soft drinks, <laughs> and you weren't good enough to make the semi-pro, much less pro. You just don't know what you're talking about. Because sometimes things that look fairly easy are tougher than they look. Aren't they? I mean, you think, well, all they had to do, what you don't know is that the first quarter, somebody caught them off guard and fractured three ribs. And that's hurting terribly. And they got a skint nose and a knee and an elbow. And when they looked up to catch that ball, their eyes filled with perspiration. And the sun was right there. And they couldn't see a thing. Beside that, they're hurting so bad they don't know what to do. You understand? And you do, it's just different being there. Then it is sitting on the side. Do you know it's that way, fighting a good fight of faith? It's exactly the same way. I don't know how many folk I've seen from the sidelines yell about how somebody ought to just, what, just believe God and kick the devil out of your life and just receive what you need. Go on, brother. Quit playing with this thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. But you watch. Something happened with them. They're the biggest crybabies. Boo-hoo. I don't know why this happened to me. I'm a faith man. It's not supposed to be happening to me. Yeah, you don't have enough faith to fill a thimble. It's different doing it than talking it. And a lot of folk talk faith talk. But they just hadn't got it when it comes down to, down to doing it. You know, sometimes people have been very confused. If they see somebody that teaches faith, then have a failure in their life. I have a teaching ability. I know that. I could go read books on uh, flying the, the shuttle, space shuttle. And I guarantee you I could study it and I could teach you how to fly the space shuttle. I've never been in it in my life. I could. I could give you step by step, tell you exactly how. All I got to do is study. But if it comes to me flying the thing, and I've never been in it, it's a different thing. And I might be able to teach you exactly how to do it if I studied it, if I've got an ability to communicate and to teach. And then you hear that Brother Keith tried to fly the space shuttle and wound up, stuck it up like a dart in the desert out there. And, uh, and uh, he died, God rest his soul. And then you might think, well, well, he taught me wrong. No, I might have taught you right. I might have taught you exactly right, but then I just didn't do it right myself. <laughs> the Lord dealt with me. I was reading an article sometime back on an airplane. 
in, in one of these, you know, flight magazines. And it had an article on doctors in there, physicians, particularly talking about medical doctors, about how that so many of them didn't practice what they preached. And yet the, what they were preaching was good, but they just didn't practice it. Like, for instance, they would really preach to their patients that were obese and talk to them about getting the weight off and about not eating this, not eating that, and about good dietary practices, but then they didn't practice it themselves. They'd eat this, and they're 50 pounds overweight. Then they'd warn their patients about smoking, but they smoke. Warn them about drinking alcohol, but they drink alcohol. And I was reading that, you know, and it, it's true. Not, not, not everybody does, but it's true. A lot of folk do. Does that mean that what they're telling their patients is wrong? No. no, what they're telling them is right. But they're just not practicing what they know to be right and what they're preaching is right. And the Lord dealt with me. He said, that's the way so many of my ministers are. I thought, hmm, I, I, know, that, I know that's true. It's true. Because folk get up and teach and preach what's right. But then a lot of times that's not how they live. That's not what they do. And you can teach and preach faith. And not have much. And like I've said this before. You know teachers and preachers. They are especially anointed above the laity. To teach and preach and bring the word. But they're not especially anointed to live it. You've got to live it just like anybody else. You don't have any special anointing to live it. Or to practice it. So I mean, uh, you know, if you see somebody that teaches and preaches faith and then some things don't go right in their life the way that they could have or should have, they don't experience setbacks, defeats, failures, then uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that what they taught you was wrong. It just could be that they weren't practicing to the full extent that they could have themselves personally. Of course now, everybody ought to uh, practice what they preach. And of course you start with yourself. Right? Then that's, that's what we should do. When it comes to exercising physically, there are a lot of different exercises that you can do. One exercise does not necessarily work every part of the body. You do different things. I mean, you can do sit-ups. You can do push-ups. You can swim. You can run. You can do side-straddle hops. You can stretch. I mean, you can do all kinds of things. If you're going to do weight training or machine, uh, you know, resistance training, then you got exercises for chest, upper, middle, lower, abdominal training. You got exercises for the legs. I mean, front, back, bottom, tops. I mean, you got all kind of, you know, all the different muscle groups. You usually got upper and lower, outside, inner. I mean, there's just all kind of different exercises that you can do. And if you want total development, you have to work every part. And spiritually speaking, it's true. Same thing. If you want total development, you've got to exercise yourself in all areas. And if you want faith in all areas, you've got to exercise faith in all areas. Faith works the same in every area, but it must be developed in each individual area. I'm going to know just because you have strong legs doesn't automatically mean you got strong arms. Unless you've been working those, exercising those too. Just because you got strong faith to be healed doesn't mean you got strong faith for finances. Or vice versa. Faith works the same in both of those areas, but it's got to be developed in each area. Just because you got faith in one area, that doesn't mean now I've got faith in all areas. 
Faith in each area has to be developed individually. That's kind of confusing to people because folk use faith in such a general, general way. People talk about, well, so-and-so has a lot of faith. I've had people say, you know, could you talk to so-and-so about healing? You know, uh, they have a lot of faith to be healed, you know. They have a lot of faith or whatever, but uh, something's wrong. They're not receiving like like they need to or whatever. And a lot of times you talk to them for just a couple of minutes, you say they don't have any faith to be healed. Why would they say they have faith? Well, so people use that in such a general term. They believe in God. They have faith. Well, that doesn't mean you have an ounce of faith to be healed. Just because you believe in God. Well, they believe God is real. Wonderful. That's not faith to be healed. They believe God is powerful. Wonderful. But that's not faith to be healed. Do you understand? You know, they believe they're saved. They're totally convinced they're saved and on their way to heaven. Praise God. That's faith for salvation. That's faith that they're saved. But that's not faith to be healed. And so just because you have faith in one area doesn't mean you have faith in other areas. If you want faith in other areas, you have to feed your faith in that area and exercise your faith in that area. Did you hear what I said? Feed it and exercise it in that area. Do you know you'll not just become strong in faith only by hearing the word? I said you'll not become strong in faith just by hearing the word. Any more than you'd be strong physically only by eating. If you just eat and don't exercise, will that make you strong? No, you might get big. But that doesn't mean you're necessarily going to be strong. Because you've also got to exercise. And that's why a lot of people have not developed spiritually, even though they've been eating good spiritually. See, it's possible to eat good spiritually and still be weak. Because you're not exercising. You've got to exercise your faith. You've got to use it. You know, I've seen people that, uh, that, that said, you know, well, I want to I wanna develop, I want muscles like so-and-so or whatever. And maybe they come to the gym and want to know how to do it. And so they take them back and put some weights in their hands and say, well, do this. And they do it and they think, well, I, this is hard. I don't wanna, I, that's not what I want to do. I, how do I get muscles? Well, you've already got muscles. You've already got the same number of muscles as who, so-and-so that you'd like to be like. But the difference is they've developed theirs. You haven't developed yours. But when you're born again and if you're a child of God, you got a measure of faith. I said, you have a measure of faith. Some people, though, they have greater faith than others. Why? Because they've developed their faith. They've fed it and they've exercised it. And now it's become stronger and greater. And other people have not. Uh, I want to get into some areas as time would permit and as the, as the Lord would lead us. So many times people act like they are victims of circumstance. And they act like people are just born with things. And I happened just to be born not with it. And born without it. And it's easier to believe that than to believe the truth that you could be just as developed as they are. But you've been too lazy. 
Sometimes not just lazy, but ignorant. Didn't know what to do. Didn't know how to do. But still, the potential is there. You know, it's just easier to make excuses, isn't it? And just say, well, I guess some people are just born with that. I guess some people just, you know, it's, it just comes really, really easy for them. It just is automatic for them. And they don't realize that these people, they've worked and they've done their part. And they've fed and they've exercised. And they want it, but they don't want to do what it takes to get it. Now, you know, you really, you really run into some things when you start talking like this. But I'm telling you, it's the truth. It's the truth. And the more I see about this, you know, so many times people actually, they, they want you to feel sorry for them because they're not at this place or they're not at that place or the other. But the main thing I want to know in working with somebody is what do you know? What do you know? And what have you done with what you know? Because a lot of times people are acting like, well, I just, you know, I just didn't have opportunity and I just didn't, I didn't have this and I wasn't born with this and, and, and just making excuses when the truth is they have not utilized what they've got. And the principle of God is that if you don't utilize and maximize what you have, he's not going to give you any more. He's very big on stewardship. And more and more I'm seeing this. And some people, they, they misunderstand and they think it's hard. But if they think you're hard, then they just have to think God's hard. Because that's the way He is. I know Brother Hagin used to tell us stories. How I many know he's a great one to tell stories? But there's been a few times in private that he told us stories that sometimes didn't seem relevant. But then later on, you saw something. I remember one time right back here in the speaker's room. It was after service. He got to talking. And he told us a story about some men. He told us a story about a man who... Uh, now, we weren't really talking about anything in particular. He just out of the blue. He said, you know, one time years ago I knew this guy. And he started talking. And he said, uh, this fellow was a wealthy man. And you know, years back, a lot of times people, if they borrowed money, they borrowed money from individuals in the community that had money. It's not like it is today with all the credit cards and the banks and everything. Most people didn't even have a bank account. And if they borrowed money, they'd go to an individual in the community that had money, get it from him. And so many times people that owned land, a lot of times there were a few people in the community that everybody owed for their land and what have you. And there were several fellows that had borrowed money from this guy. He was real wealthy and they had uh, bought land with that money and they're paying it back to him with, with interest. Well, there were two of these fellows in particular that were in the neighboring area there, close by one another, had farms, were working them. And they went for, I think it was about three years or so, and had poor weather. And they had drought, and they just didn't get the rain they needed. And year after year, the crops failed. Well, if you don't make a crop, you don't have anything to sell. You don't have anything to pay uh, your, your loan with. Not even the interest. Well, it went like that the first year. And he told them, well, I'll just work with you, you know. And uh, they had enough to get some seed. And they went again. Second year, same thing. 
And of course, you know, by all rights, he has the right to repossess their property. He could have done it earlier. But he's let them go this year, and now another year, and now three years. And he said that at the third year, that one guy, you know, it looks hopeless. Because even if you had a good crop this year, you're so far behind. And it just looks hopeless. And this one fella, he just, he just quit. You know, he, he's still on the place there. But I mean, he knows. You've, I've already lost the place. I've already lost everything. And he just didn't do much of anything. But the other guy, every morning, even though there's nothing to work, nothing but dust out there in the field, he rolls out. And if there's nothing else, he fixes fence on the place, paints the barn, does what he knows to do. It looks like there's no reason. Why? You're just working on another man's plate. You're throwing money on his property. You've already lost everything you put into it. And he said that man, that wealthy man, went over to the one guy's house that quit and repossessed it. Went over to the other fellow's place and gave him a title to it. And that's all he said, and he left. Somebody that's all Brother Hagin said. He just, he just left. I thought about that. You know, why, why did he tell us that? But you know, I see clearer and clearer what he was saying. What's he saying? God's like that. God's just exactly like that. You give up. You quit. You act pitiful and feel sorry for yourself. You lose it. He'll let you lose it. He'll let you hit the bottom. He'll let you fail. He'll let you stay there. But it, when it seemed like there is no reason to go on, and you just keep getting up and going on, God sees that and He likes faith. Is that right? And I'm telling you, you're going to come out. How many understand there just is never a place to quit? There is never a place to stop. Not when God's on the throne. Not when His Word is true. Not when He will do what He told you to do. He's faithful. It's not over till it's over. And it ain't over yet. You're breathing. He's on the throne. Is that right? No, it's not too late. No, it hasn't gone too long. No, it's not hopeless. No, it's not impossible. But you give up. You quit. And you're done. The Lord will let you fail. He'll let you perish. Why? Well, because you ought to. Because you quit. You gave up. Now, if you don't know that much about him, I'm telling you, that's the way he is. He is that way. That's the way he is. And that's righteous. I said, that is righteous. That's righteous. And you have to do what you know how to do. And you have to stay with it. And just keep doing what you know to do without quitting, without giving up. And if you're going to develop spiritually, you can't just look at somebody else that's strong in spirit and strong in faith and say, well, I want to be like that. Well, it doesn't come by wanting and wishing. You've got to exercise. You've got to exercise yourself. He said exercise yourself under godliness. Exercise. Yourself. Bodily exercise profits little. It profits for a little while while you're here in this life with this body. But godliness is profitable in all things. 
exercising yourself and keeping yourself in spiritual condition, growing and developing spiritually, that benefits you here and now in every area of life and it benefits you in the life to come. You get to carry that with you. Any spiritual development that you have accrued and, and come to, you do not lose it when you pass off the scene of this life. You may leave your body here in the ground, but your spirit goes dead right just the way it is. Any development that you have accomplished, you will retain. It is profitable not only in this time in life, but it will carry over into the next. Now I want to give you some examples of some spiritual exercises. And... uh, Again, how many understand it's not just enough to know them? (laughs) Got to do them. It's amazing to me. I was looking at some stats on how many exercise videos have have sold in this country in the last few years. I mean, it is phenomenal. It's a multi-billion-dollar business worldwide. It's amazing. I mean, everybody and their brother and sister and grandma has come out. With an exercise video. But the thing is, what are people doing with all these videos? <laughs> A lot of times all they do is watching them. I said all they're doing is watching them. They watch them a few times. <laughs> I've actually, this is funny, but I have seen people watch these high intensity aerobic workout videos while they eat ice cream. <laughs> yes, sir. I mean, boy, the music is thumping and these people are moving and they're sweating and they're going. <laughs> that is not going to help you. That's not going to do it. Is it? It's not. It's not. <laughs> Watching other people pray is not going to develop you in prayer. You learn some things about how to do it. But the only way you're going to develop is if you do it. Hearing other people talk about study or Bible reading is not going to cause you to develop. You might learn something, but it's only your reading, your prayer, your study that's going to develop you. In ministry, watching other people minister, you learn some things, you get some valuable pointers, but that's not going to cause you to develop. You're going to have to do it. Any more than watching somebody else do push-ups is going to do anything much for you. You might say, well, that's good form. Yeah, yeah, I see you hold your hands like that and... Yeah, you breathe out and you breathe in. All right. Okay. You, that's an, that hasn't helped you at all physically. Until you what? Get over there and do it. So the Bible said, don't be hearers only. But be what? Doers. Doers. Listen to me carefully. Jesus told us the parable of the difference between the doer and the person who's not a doer. He said, the one that's not a doer is like the man that built his house on the sand when the storm came, house fell, great was the fall of it. But the man that's a doer is like the one that digs down deep, puts the foundation on the rock, builds a house, then no matter how hard the wind blows and waves crash, that house stands. And there are a lot of talkers. 
A lot of shouters about the Word and talkers about the Word, note takers and tape players, but not nearly as many doers. How can you tell the doer from the non-doer when the storm comes? I said when the storm comes. That's how you can tell. The houses that stand during the storm are the doers. The houses that fall during the storm were the talkers and the shouters, but not the doers. I didn't say that. The Lord said it. Right? And see, the thing is, it is so easy to come to church and to come to meetings and just say hallelujah and praise God with everybody and hear about it and think about it. But then it's when you walk out the door. What are you going to do now? How are you going to live tonight and tomorrow and the rest of the week and the rest of the month? It's just the doers. It's only the doers that stand. Only the doers. Just because you heard doesn't mean you're developed. And just because you eat doesn't mean you're developed. It means you got the nourishment. You got the fuel. You got the building blocks there now if you're eating. But it's only as you exercise that it develops. Now, one way that you develop spiritually is by walking in the Spirit. Now, that's a very meaningless term to a lot of people. But I'm going to define it for you. Go with me to Galatians 5, if you would. Galatians 5, he's talking about walking in the Spirit. Verse 16, Galatians 5, 16, he said, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now there's a whole other area of teaching here that we could get into, as time permits, about how that if you're stronger spiritually, then you are less likely to yield to temptation. When you're always given in to temptation, that's a sign of a weak spirit. You understand? It is. But when your spirit's strong, let me give you an example. Over in Matthew, what is it, about chapter 26 or so, when Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he's talking to especially the three there, and he said, uh, watch and pray. He said, because the spirit is strong. But the flesh is weak. Huh? No, that's not what he said. Spirit is willing. Gotcha. Spirit is what? Willing. Is willing the same thing as strong? I said, that's why I said that. I said, that's why I said that. Because so many times people are under the assumption that he told, he just got through telling them their spirit was strong, but the flesh was weak. He, that's not what he told them. There's a lot of folk got to want to, but ain't got the means. Being willing is a far cry from being able. You understand? I might want to do a certain thing physically, but that doesn't mean I'm able to do it. Now, the will is good. It's a part of it. If you got the will and desire and drive, it'll keep you exercising and practicing until you can get to where you can do it. But just because you want to doesn't mean you're able to. He didn't tell them your spirit's strong but your flesh is weak. He said your spirit's willing. 
But your flesh is weak. I think you could say it like this. You're weak through the flesh. You're weak through the flesh. And I believe that's a definite indicator of spiritual weakness too. Because the life that's in your flesh flows out of your spirit. Is that right? That's why he said guard your heart. And uh, they were not able to resist the temptations, Peter especially, was not able to resist and overcome the temptation to deny Jesus. Because his spirit was not as strong as it should have been and his flesh won out the weakness and the fear. And he yielded to it and succumbed to it. But as your spirit gets stronger, you're able to control and put the flesh down with a strong hand. Instead of a weak, wimpy, no flesh, don't do that. (laughs) Instead of that, your spirit gets stronger and grabs your flesh by the nap of the neck and says, no. End of discussion. The stronger your spirit is, that's easier you can overcome temptation. And see, that's another thing that he's saying here. If you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And he talks about how that there's a pull between the flesh and the spirit. And he talks about the works of the flesh. But in verse 22, he said, But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Just because you're alive in the Spirit doesn't mean you are exercising yourself in these things. Doesn't mean you are walking these things any more than just because you're alive physically. Does that mean you are exercising all your muscle groups? Especially on a, you know, in a pronounced way. You're going to use some muscles just sitting erect and walking across the room, but if you want development, you're going to have to do more. And, uh, this is a great teaching within itself, and I think unless the Lord leads us another direction, we may just take some time on this. And just look at these one at a time. Because if you're going to develop spiritually, you're going to develop in the fruit of the Spirit. And the thing that many have never realized is that every one of these requires effort. Effort. You're not going to develop in love automatically by passage of time. You're going to... Develop in love because you feed your spirit on words of God. And there's words of love in here, of course. And you exercise yourself in love. You're going to develop in joy because you exercise yourself in joy. You're going to develop in peace because you exercise yourself in peace. You're going to exercise in long-suffering. You're going to develop, rather, in long-suffering and patience because you exercise yourself in these areas. Now think about it again. If your calves are weak, why are they weak? Because you haven't been working them much. Is that right? How long have you had calves? Huh? (laughs) Well, ever since you've been here. 
you've had calves. And you've had adult calves as long as you've been an adult. Well, why aren't they developed and powerful? <laughs> Your calves may be developed and powerful. I don't know, but if, if they're not, why wouldn't they be? Because you haven't really focused on calves and exercised calves. That's why. Well, if you're short of patience, you're an impatient person. Why are you that way? Well, how long have you had patience? Ever since you've been born again, you've had patience. Now, some folk could even try to argue with you about that. And you say, well, Brother Keith, I'm sorry, but I, I have never been a patient person. I didn't say you had much. <laughs> but if you're born again, you got some. You got at least the seed of it in you. Of every one of these things. And if you don't have much, it's simply because you have not exercised it. And of course, that's your fault. Right? You could, by this time, you could have amazing patience. If you had worked it. If you had exercised it. And if you don't have this amazing patience, then it's because you haven't exercised in that area. And can you see that some people have exercised in one or two or some of these areas and the others they hadn't. But if you want to be, you know, well-rounded, you need to exercise in every area. I mean, I, I used to work loading freight with a guy. He worked his biceps, front part of his arm. That's all he worked. Biceps. And he worked, he worked this bicep muscle and he would load it and load it and load it and work it and load it. And it was big, big bicep. But the rest of his body was, you know, not, not very much developed. Because you, you're going to work some other muscles just doing that exercise. But I mean, pretty much just wasn't there. And in fact, his arm was, was drawn a little bit. Because see, he's not working the tricep. He's not, he doesn't have the balance. And his, his arms actually were a little bit curved, a little bit crooked, because that's all he worked. Had a big old bicep, but little skinny legs. <laughs> There's not what I'm saying. Well, see, there's some folk like that spiritually. They developed whopsided. <laughs> Maybe they got a lot of joy. They got big old joy muscles. But little bitty skinny gentleness. <laughs> little skeletal long suffering. They're always shouting the joy. They're glad, but they won't put up with you for a minute. You understand you can develop disproportionately. You can physically, you can spiritually. But God intended that we be fully developed. Developed in every area. 
That we be developed in love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, all areas. How many of those nine things cover a lot of ground? I mean, if you're developed in all of those, you would definitely be a Christ-like example. You'll be a nice person to be around. You'll be up. You'll be positive. You'll be gracious, gentle, kind. I mean, if you're doing all those things, you're going to be a wonderful person to be around. But will you develop in these areas just by wishing? Or by watching somebody else? Or by reading books on the subject? Or even reading the Bible on the subject? The answer is no. Even though you feed your spirit in these areas, that's not enough. That just gives you the means and the building blocks and the fuel. Now, if you want to develop, you've got to exercise in that area. Let me give, let me give you one example. For instance, patience. You hear folk all the time say, well, I guess, well, that's just my one of my shortcomings. I guess I just don't have much patience. I've got a fuse about this long. I don't know what's wrong with me. Well, first thing that's wrong is your mouth. That's a big thing wrong. But if you don't have patience, it's because you haven't exercised. Every time you get an opportunity to exercise patience, you've got to take the opportunity to work out your patience muscle. Now, if you've never worked out a muscle, it can be tough. Because you can hardly do anything. And when you do it, you get so sore. It's tough getting started. And some people, you know, they've never exercised their patience. You have, you have opportunities all the time. When people go on and on and on about their stories and their what have you, you know, and you're, you know, you're tempted to be impatient. Here's an opportunity to exercise my patience. Did you smile and be sweet? While they go on and on and on. And if you're in traffic jam, here's an opportunity. We have an opportunity to work out our patience. You feel like honking the horn, rolling out the, down the window and shouting and carrying on, acting a fool. You feel like it. You feel like it. Looking at your watch, ranting and raving, pulling your hair. What you got to do though is just pull the flesh back and just sit there and smile. You're working it. It's effort. You're working that patience. It's getting a workout. Some of these long checkout stands at Christmas time, these lines at the checkout stands, exercise patience. If you want patience, you've got to work it. It's a fact that physically most people just do not want these things enough to do it. It's a fact. And the fact so many people will live and die and they'll never develop different areas but just because because they just are not willing to do it. Same thing is true spiritually. A lot of people will never be very developed in these areas because it takes effort. Oh, but friend, if you want it, you can have it. If you'll take every opportunity to exercise and if you'll put forth the effort and the energy to do it. It takes effort and energy to walk in love. It takes effort and energy to be joyful even when you don't feel like it. To walk in peace when you're tempted to, to worry. To walk in long-suffering when you're tempted to be impatient. To walk in gentleness and kindness when you're tempted to be harsh and hard. Every area, you have to expend effort. 
But when you're expending the effort, you're working out your spirit. And if you keep feeding it and working it, it'll get stronger and stronger and stronger. Your patience will get longer. Your love will get greater. Your joy will get bigger. Your peace will get stronger. You're developing spiritually, becoming stronger spiritually. Go to Luke, the 17th chapter, and notice what Jesus told the disciples about this. Luke 17, Luke 17, Jesus told them, you know, about uh, forgiving their brother, even if they trespassed against them seven times in a day, this passage said, or, you know, they asked him how many times, and at one, one passage he said uh, 70 times seven. And when he told them that, verse 5, Luke 17, 5, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. (laughs) Now they knew something that a lot of folk have yet to learn, that it is by faith we forgive. Not by feeling, but by faith. Just because you feel feelings of animosity and ill will towards somebody does not mean you haven't forgiven them. You forgive them by faith. Now that's a great revelation right there that a lot of folk never, never ever seen. You know, I've had people tell me, you know, you begin to talk to them about forgiving somebody. And they say, well, Brother Keith, you know, I've tried to forgive them. I must have said I forgive them a hundred times, you know. But I just, I just have to be honest. I hadn't. Well, why do you say that? Well, I get to thinking about it, and I get mad, and I get upset. Well, see, you, you, you don't know how to operate by faith. It's just it's a decision that you make by faith. And I don't care what you feel or what you don't feel, whether you have no feelings of love toward them, or whether you have feelings of hatred. You just say, by faith, I forgive them. In Jesus' name, I forgive them. I don't hold anything against them. I don't feel like they owe me anything. Anything that was there, I release it. And if the thoughts come back and feelings come, you just, no matter what you feel, you say, no, uh uh-uh, no. I don't care what I feel. I don't care what that memory is. I have forgiven them by faith. See, you do that consistently and those feelings will begin to ebb and change and fade. But if you think that, that you forgive by feeling, then the enemy will keep you in a perpetual state of unforgiveness. No, you forgive by faith. It's not based on how you feel. It's just by faith. You know, uh, the Bible compares uh, forgiving a sin to forgiving a debt. More than one place. I mean, if somebody owed you money, and you got a contract here that says they owe you $10,000. How many know if the Lord dealt with you, would just let that go? Forgive them of that debt. Could you do it even if you had different feelings about it? Could you? No matter what your feelings were, you could still obey. Couldn't you? You could look at that piece of paper and think, I could use that money. $10,000. They owe it to me. wonder why the Lord said, let it go. They don't act like they deserve it to me. Yeah, but he doesn't ask you. 
But I mean, no, no matter what kind of ambiguous feelings you might have, you could pick up that piece of paper and you could say, you know, uh, the Lord dealt with me to release you of this and so I am and just tear it up. And no matter how you felt afterwards, they don't owe you anything. Is that right? You can do that if somebody sinned against you. It's exactly the same principle. Now notice what, what he told them when they asked and said increase our faith. First of all, notice what he didn't do. He didn't say, come here and let me lay hands on you. <laughs> yeah, you better believe you need more faith. Come here, I'm going to give you some of mine. Come here. Have faith. No, if anybody ever has a ministry line to impart faith to you, don't go. That is not how faith comes. Don't care who did it. Well, I'm going to lay hands on you and give you some of my faith. Can't be done. I said it can't be done. Can't be done. What did he tell them? When they said, Lord, increase our faith. What did he say? Verse 6, the Lord said, If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say, Under this sycamine tree, be plucked up by the root and be planted in the sea, and it should obey you. What did he just get through telling them? Even if you had seed, faith, you know, faith the size of this small mustard seed, if you'd just use it, if you just oh, if you believe in your heart and say with your mouth and just start using it, it'd work for you. I don't, you know, when it comes to working out and developing your body, I don't care if you got the smallest muscles in town. If you just start using them, I said, if you just start using them, what's going to happen? If you feed them and use them, they're going to grow. They're going to grow. But there are so many people that will look wistfully at other people's development in whatever area and go, well, I wish I had that. And act like it's just something they're born with. And act like, well, as you know, I just am deprived. God has slighted me. When the truth is, we've all got the same potential. We've all got the same opportunities. People look at other folk that have faith and are doing good spiritually and are developed and different of the fruit of the Spirit. And they think, well, you know, God's blessed them and graced them. And the thing is, they have exercised their self in these areas. And any of us could have exercised ourselves in areas and been developed. But it takes effort, and that's why people don't want to do it. They just want you to lay hands on me and impart it to me. And the problem is, in so many places, we've had ministry lines for everything you could think of. Well, there's people here that need patience. Come up and we're going to pray for you and minister some patience to you. (laughs) Nothing happened, I'm telling you. There was no patience imparted in that line. Let's be like somebody saying, come up here and I'm going to pray for you and you're going to have a big chest. <laughs> you're going to have, you, you, the guy's going to have big biceps. Come up here, I'm going to lay hands on you. You're going to go from a size 13 to an 18 and a half. Come here. Uh-uh. Come up here. You, you full of doubt and unbelief and got no joy? I'm going to lay hands on you and impart joy. You're going to jump from here to there spiritually. No, you're not, because God has ordained that it's there for you. But you're going to have to exercise it. If you want strong faith, you can have it. But you're going to have to exercise it. 
exercise it. Exercise it. I used to hear Brother Hagin say that he almost felt sorry. Well, not almost. He did feel sorry. For people that never had to use their faith. Because they had it made, you know. Everybody's taking care of everything for them. And I look back and I, I told my, my wife a while back, you know. I said, it was kind of rough some of the way we got started. But you know now in retrospect, I'm glad we came that way. Because we learn how to believe God for everything. See, a lot of times people, somebody else is footing the bill and somebody else is doing this and doing that. and They, don't, they really never learn how to believe God. But when you, when you don't have anybody doing it, and when you're not looking to somebody else or calling on somebody else, and you start where you are, believing God for gas money for the week. Is that right? Believing God for lunch money. Believe God for your shoes, your socks. And believe God to, to know how to uh, hear God and follow Him. I'll never forget right here in this room, right over here in this section. I was praying in prayer school on my face on the floor. And I, I had just gotten a, a letter from somebody that sent me $50 to buy a pair of shoes. And I was a blessing the Lord and praising the Lord for it. Because I'd been believing and expecting for some money to buy some shoes for, for a while. And I needed some really bad. <laughs> you know, when it, when it gets where you kind of put your feet behind, you know, behind the seat when you sit. Stuff because they look bad, you know. And you don't cross you don't cross your legs because people see the soles in their helmet, you know they don't look good. And uh, that's where I was at. And here here comes this money, fifty dollar check to help you with some clothes. Glory to God! I'm shouting a victory, buddy. I mean, you can't buy the best pair for fifty dollars, but you you definitely get you a pair of shoes, fifty dollars. And. Uh, I'm over there praying, and the Lord dealt with me. There was a young man here doing some ministry around the place, and the Lord dealt with me. He said, he is believing me for a pair of brown shoes. The Lord told me that right over here. I was laying on the floor. I mean, I don't mean I heard a voice now, but I knew distinctly. How many of that's detailed? Yeah. <laughs> told me that this, this brother that was, that was here ministering, and said, he is, he, he's, he's a young man just about my age, he said, he's believing me for a pair of brown shoes. Well, I thought, well, praise God, I can encourage him. Because, uh, you know, I, I can tell him, you know, you sure met my need, and you'll meet his need too. <laughs> and, uh, of course, uh, he wasn't through talking to me. And I kept praying, and he dealt with me. I don't, again, I didn't hear a voice, but he just prompted me. He dealt with me. Uh, he's believing me for a pair of brown shoes. Why don't you give him your shoe money? And I thought, uh, uh, to be honest, I almost rebuked the devil. To begin with. I, I thought, if the devil's trying to mess me up here. I just kept praying and, and, and it just kept coming back to me. It kept coming back to me and I knew, well, this, this is the Lord. This is the same Holy Ghost that communes with me all the time. I mean, this is Him. So I said, all right, fine, fine. No problem. I'll do it. Be glad to do it. Be glad to do it. You know, I just made up my mind, if the Lord ever deals with me to give somebody something, 
the, from the moment I'm sure about it, as far as I'm concerned, it's not mine anymore. It's gone. It's gone. Now that's caused, caused some consternation among some folk around me. Because if it's gone, it's gone. But ain't no need to talk to me about it. It's gone. Don't give me anything you don't want me to give away. Because if it's mine, if I want to give it away, I'm going to give it away. I don't care if it's the house, if it's the dog, if it's jewelry, if it's clothes. I mean, it's gone. It's gone. Everybody around me knows that. I'm talking about my family. And of course, my wife knows that. <laughs> when, we, when we first got started, some of these things, she, she questioned me a couple of times about it. And now she knows. Just, just say praise the Lord because it's, it's gone. It's gone. And of course, she, she does the same thing. But I came up and uh, to, found a young man later on that day. And I said, you know, brother, I uh, just wanted to ask you something. I said, uh, have you been believing God for a pair of brown shoes? Because you either missed it or you hit it. You know what I mean on that? And I'd have been perfectly willing if he'd have said, what? You know, I'd have said, I'm sorry. Maybe I, maybe I missed it. You know, Because how many know you can miss it? You, yeah. No need in being haughty and pushy about stuff. I, just, I asked him. I didn't tell him. I said, I asked him. I didn't tell him. I said, I asked him. I asked him. I didn't tell him. I didn't go say, the Lord sent me to you to give you some money to buy your brown shoes. (laughs) Thus saith the Lord. (laughs) No, no, no. I didn't tell him. What did I do? I asked him. I said, have you been believing God for a pair of brown shoes? And he said, uh, his eyes got big. He said, wait just a minute. Wait just a minute. And he wished over and his wife was a few feet away. He, he pulled her over. He said, tell her what you told me. And I, I didn't, of course, I don't know what to think about what, why he did that. I said, well, I, I just want to know if, you're, if you believe in God for a pair of brown shoes. They both lifted their hands and said, praise God. Not an hour ago, we joined hands in the speaker's room back here and asked God for a pair of brown shoes and agreed about it. And I said, well, here's some money towards them. <laughs> and I gave him my $50. Now, you know, how many know when you, you know, when you don't have a lot, $50 is a lot. I mean, you know. But, you know, I went out about that high off the ground because I knew I'd heard from God. And on the way out to my little green pickup to get in, and drive home with my old shoes. <laughs> I, uh, the Lord spoke to me. He said, son, you're not lack for shoes. And you know, since that time, people have bought me shoes, man. I mean, really? I mean, they have. I mean, just last year I was, uh, it must have been three or four different times somebody bought me a pair of shoes. One person bought me, you know, expensive pair of shoes. I, I almost, you know, I... They said, I want you to get this certain thing. I said, oh, you know, that's expensive. They said, I want you to get it. I said, well, you know, I could get this. No, get this one. Okay, all right, all right. And uh, God's good, isn't he? I said, God's good. He's faithful. He's faithful. But now listen to me. That's exercising you. Isn't it? It takes faith to give you $50 away. It, that's why a lot of people don't do it. 
That's my $50. That's my shoe money. I need shoes. Yeah, but one of the biggest things God wants to exercise you in is love. Love is unselfish. Love says he needs shoes. I need shoes. I'd rather for me go go without a little while longer than for my brother. Here, you wear, you get new shoes. I'll get some later. Is that right? That's the way love thinks. But selfishness says, well, I want mine. I want mine now. They just have to get theirs the best way they can. Everybody's, you know, every man for himself. But that's not the way of love. Love says, if I have to do without for a while, that's okay. But we're going to take care of you. Wouldn't it be a wonderful world if everybody was thinking that way and living that way? Wouldn't it be a wonderful place if everybody was that way? Thank God, thank God, we can be that way. Can't we? But you exercise yourself, you know, you start off where you're at. You exercise yourself, believe in God for your rent. Believe in God for your utilities. Believe in God for this and that. And you exercise yourself. And you know a lot of times people are operating on payment faith. They don't have enough faith for the whole thing, but they've got payment faith. Well, some folk don't even have payment faith. But, you know, you got little payment faith and then big payment faith. And then you got buy the whole thing at once faith. And you don't start out at the highest level. You start out where you are. I started out believing God for a good used car. And payment faith. And then, you know, you begin to, to, to put, you know, put more down and then finally get a new car and, and, and you know, then put more down and put more down. And I'm looking forward to just uh, when you want one, when you need one, just go write them a check. Is that right? But just because you're not there doesn't mean you don't have a vision. Right? And if you've got your priorities right, and if you'll exercise your faith every day, every week, every month, every year, then your faith will grow. Won't it? Till you get to the place where you want it to be. But you've got a lot of folks that they want to be at this level of faith, but they're not willing to start where they are. It's like the person that comes into the gym and he wants to bench press 400 pounds. But you know, you've got to start where you are. And sometimes when somebody first starts out, they just put them on with the bar. No weights. <laughs> That's kind of humbling. When the guy's next to you, you know, he's pumping two or three hundred pounds. And you got the bar, somebody comes by and says, hey, you forgot to put the weights on. <laughs> but that's where you're at. I said, that's where you're at. And how many know, you know, somebody might laugh and make fun, but how many know that this guy that's in here with the bar, he's way ahead of the guy that's not even in the gym. Is that right? He's way down the road ahead of him. But so many folk, if they can't be at the top, they don't want to do anything, and so they will never get to the top. Because if you don't start at the bottom, you stay at the bottom. And a lot of folk like to pretend that they got this great gigantic faith that they can just believe for anything and everything. And the truth is they never really believe for much of anything. You've got to start where you are. And it's not just wishful thinking. It's what you can really genuinely confidently expect. Not, not just what you want and what you're wishing for, but what you really can expect and what you really can believe you receive. 
And if you'll start where you are and keep exercising your faith and feeding it, it'll grow, it'll grow, it'll grow. Till you get to the place where the things that were formerly real hard for you to receive, hard for you to believe you receive, they get easy for you to believe you receive. But if you want to develop, you've got to exercise. Go to Colossians 1. Colossians 1. 27. Colossians 1, 27. He said, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. How many know that one definition of perfect is matured and developed? That's one application of it. And he said, Whereunto I also what? Labor. Striving according to his working which worketh in me mightily. If you want to develop, do you have to put forth some effort? Yes, you do. Do you have to work and strive and push? Yes. Is it easier to believe or is it easier to doubt? Which is easier, to throw up your hands and get depressed? Or to stir up yourself and say, no, we're going to believe God. After the natural in the flesh, it's easier to just give up and doubt and get down. You know, I don't know if I'm expressing it properly or not, but, but listen with your hearts if you can hear. Because I know the Spirit of God has emphasized this to me two or three times to get this across some way or another. That it takes effort. There's some effort. Now we're not talking about works of the flesh, but we're talking about you've got to do something. People look at other people that are overcomers and they think, well, I, you know, they just... It's a natural thing with them, I guess. They just have a natural propensity towards being positive and, and not quitting and, and what have you. No, they just will, are willing to put forth some effort. And other folk act so wimpy and act like, well, you know, we just there's nothing we could do. Well, they just quit. You, you, it's easier just to quit than it is to put forth the effort. It's easier to be selfish and rude than it is to put forth the effort to walk in love. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah. I said, have you ever noticed that? It takes effort, doesn't it? You know why so many times people offend other people with what they say and do? Because they just don't care enough to put forth the effort to not do it. It's just easier to just say what crosses your mind and just do what you feel like doing. And if it bothers people, we're tough. That's the easy thing to do. It's an effort, though, to think about what you're going to say and how it affects people. Before you say it. It's an effort to try to find the right way to say something. Yeah. On sensitive issues, there's sometimes you might need to pray half the night about how to talk to that person about that. I've done it before. I, did, I just made a, a call just recently that I felt like I ought to talk to somebody and I knew if I said it wrong, it could cause problems, you know. And man, I prayed and waited, waited for a period of days and time and thought, you know, Lord, how can I say that? How can and the Lord showed me how to say it. Something you'd never think of, you know. But I said it in such a way that it didn't look like I was being overbearing. In fact, I was, you know, leaving the door open that I might have said something wrong or made a mistake. And yet we did deal with the issue. Amen. How many of God give you wisdom? He show you how to say things, how to do things. But that takes effort. It's easier to just go to sleep. I look at a magazine or watch TV, right? Then it is to pray and say, God, show me how to do that. 
and keep it on your heart. You know, sometimes people talk about, you know, well, I want to, I want to see good things in the Word. I want to know. Well, it takes some effort. You've got to look for them. Longer than a minute or two. A lot of times people don't realize it. You know, when it comes to ministry, I've had sometimes people want to know about, will I minister this, minister that? And uh, they say, well, all the time. It'll just take a couple hours while you're here. Oh, no. No. If I'm going to minister to somewhere, then a lot of times, but from the time they, they tell me about it, I'm, I'm asking the Lord and seeking about what I should do. And it takes some effort to find it. The Bible says if you'll seek, you'll find. And you've got to look. And people think, well, you just ride around on the airplane and, you know, eat in restaurants and sit in a hotel room. Yeah, but there's a spiritual work that you do. You're looking for it. You're believing that it's coming to you. You're exercising faith. And then when you're ministering, I don't know if you know this, but it takes effort to get things out. You can have something in your heart. But it takes effort to get it out. And a lot of times you, you've seen me, I'm sure many times, you say something and you can tell, well, that didn't quite say it. So you try harder to say it a different way. And you look to try to express it. And you believe God for illustrations. And you believe God for utterance. And you try to find the words. It takes effort, 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 effort. And the more you exercise yourself in it, then you'll get stronger. And you'll develop. And if you're giving, putting forth some effort, then God's got something to grace and bless. But if you give up and quit trying, well, you're not going to get it. You're not going to find it. And if you want to develop in any of these things, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, faith, meekness, temperance, you've got to put forth the effort to do it. How many know it takes effort to be kind with people? I know I was dealing with somebody a while back, and they were kind of irritating. They just were. And somebody was with me. And I was able by the grace of the Lord to remain kind. Soft spoken about it. And as we left, this person said to me, I don't see how you did that. I mean, I just can't do that. I'd just have to, you know, I'd have to tell them where to get off. Wrong, wrong. You wouldn't have to. You can do what you're willing to put forth the effort to do. Is that right? I mean, you, the thing is, it just takes more effort. It's easier just to spout off and tell somebody off. Hmm? You don't have to control yourself. You know, it's easier just to be abrupt. Cut folk off. But uh, it takes effort to be kind. When you feel like being abrupt. You ever felt like being abrupt? <laughs> you ever felt like being short? And you've got to put forth that extra effort, don't you? To make yourself say it in a kinder, kinder way. To make yourself say it in a different tone. You have to put forth some effort. Don't you? Can you understand that we have a lot of lazy Christians? A lot of people that are lazy spiritually. They do not, and, and oftentimes they're not willing, to put forth the effort to keep the peace. To do things the right way. And all of us have messed up and made mistakes in these areas. All of us have. But all of us can be growing too. If we just put forth the effort. If you want to grow in peace, you can. But you've got to put forth the effort to keep your peace. To not let anything rob you of it. To hold on to it in the midst. Even when your flesh feels like just pulling your hair and, and running. <laughs> you just pull it back. 
and say, no, mm -mm, no, the peace of God is in me and on me. And I'm going to let patience have a perfect work. Amen. It's your decision. All through the day, you have decisions. One of the biggest lies that the enemy sells people is that they can't help it. In area after area after area. It just, you know, I have to exercise some long suffering with people that tell me they can't help but get mad and slap people and break furniture and stuff like that. I then have to begin to have to exercise some kindness myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you understand? Because that's, that's irritating to me. It's amazing when they're around there. 115 pound wife they can't control herself right. put them around a 6 foot 3 250 pound guy Amen. all at once they find some self control yeah. all at once they somewhere or another they're able to hold on to keep from slapping him people do what they can get away with Amen. that's what they do Amen. and then they pass it off by saying well, I, I try, but I just, it, it's just bigger than me. And that's why it's been so popular, all of the extreme deliverance teachings. Because folk try to make everything the devil. The devil cannot even make you be rude to somebody. Must less hit them. Must less kill them. But man, if you'll exercise in these areas, love. You'll just grow. Until you go for days at a time and hardly even think about yourself. Hallelujah. That's great freedom. Amen. You can develop in joy to where, I mean, you don't remember the last time you really got down. Had a bad day. Just wanted to pull the blinds and send everybody away. You just, you just don't have days like that. I said, you just don't have. See, people don't believe you when you tell them. You know, so, well, Brother Keith, I mean, everybody gets down once in a while. I don't. I don't. And people, people don't believe that. They think, well, you just say it. No, I'm telling you. Amen. I don't. Why? Because I, I refuse to. Because you've never tempted to? Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, you can have feelings and things can happen that you don't like. But you don't have to give in to it. Instead of yielding to depression, you can exercise joy. Amen. By faith, you can shout. By, you don't feel like it. But by faith, you can praise God. By faith you can. And what do you do? You exercise in your spirit. And that's how you develop. That's how you get strong. Amen. Amen. Exercise. Exercise. Exercise that love. You feel like popping off and telling folk off and doing exercise love. Just stay sweet. I don't care if you gotta bite your lip. I don't care if you gotta run in the other room and get on your knees. Exercise that love. <laughs> Boy, it can be a real workout sometimes. <laughs> it can be a real workout. Oh, brother, can it? Mm -mm -mm. People can be a pill. Can't they? Of course, you know who people are. <laughs> All of us is people. But you, but you can. You can walk in love with people if you'll just make a decision to do so. 
Not yield to your feelings. Not yield to your flesh. But exercise yourself in it. And if you keep doing it after a while, see, because you're getting stronger, it gets easier to do it. You just, it's a natural thing for you to do. You just do it without thinking or planning. Because you've exercised yourself that way. Your natural tendency is not to yell and shout. Your natural tendency is to pray and bless. I'm talking about if you do it long enough, then you'll just begin to have a tendency. That just be normal for you to do that. And if your natural tendency, or I should say normal tendency, has been to slap and fuss and carry on, that's just because you've exercised yourself that way in the past. You've become that way. You are what you've become, but not what you have to be. That's right. You are what you've become, but you're not what you have to be. God's calling you to Christ-likeness. And uh, the sanctification and the development toward Christ-likeness is not something that happens in a moment of time. You're born again in a moment of time. But this character and this fruit is something that will grow in us if we'll feed it and if we'll exercise it. You liable to have some opportunities to exercise love this Christmas season. Could be. I'm not prophesying, but it could be. It could. Not that I know of. But, uh, you know, maybe it's that in-law. Maybe it's that sister. Our brother. Mom and dad. Maybe it's that person. Maybe it's that employer that asked you to work extra. Christmas Eve. Or day. Or whatever. Exercise kindness. How many of even if in some situations you need to say no, you can still say it kindly? Can't you? You don't have to get your face all twisted up. You don't have to get some magic bite nails into you. You can just smile and say, uh, no. Right? It's still no. That, that's just as much no as no <laughs> is one more no than the other do they mean the same thing I mean but when you when you boil it all down no is still no one of them that kind of overlaps these is this last one temperance which basically means self control do you consider yourself to be a self-controlled individual? Of course, fruit can always grow and get bigger, develop, right? But, you know, some people just do not think of themselves that way at all. But you can. You can develop and grow to where you don't say things you don't mean to say. You don't do things you don't intend to do. You do things because you decide to do them. When and how and the way you decide to do them. You can develop in that. Discipline and self-control. Remember Brother Copeland talking about how he had a big problem with overeating, you know. And uh, how that, you know, he didn't have much self-control. When he went to get a piece of bread, he didn't just eat the piece of bread. He just ate the loaf. (laughs) Yeah. He went to eat a piece of pie. He didn't just stop with another piece. He ate the pie. Ate the whole thing. 
And he'd never thought about, you know, just eating a bite of something. You just eat the box, you know. <laughs> Not much self-control. And he talked about how it irked him that his wife, Sister Gloria, would open the candy bar and take a bite of it, wrap it back up and put it in the, in the, in the cabinet. Come back tomorrow and take another bite. He said that just, you know, that just irked him because, man, you know, He'd eat the wrapper, just <laughs> the box, just. <laughs> but of course, since then, he's developed a lot of self-control himself, you know. But I know any of us can have a lot of self-control if we'll just put forth the effort to exercise it. Let me give you some other just general spiritual exercises real quickly. One good spiritual exercise is speaking and praying in other tongues. That's a good one. If you don't do that, you ought to start as soon as possible. Because it's for everybody. I realize some folk don't believe that, but uh, it's for everybody. Speaking in tongues is for everybody. If you don't, you can't. All you've got to do is ask and believe you receive and yield. Because God is here, ready to work. All we've got to do is yield to Him. But speaking in tongues is a wonderful, wonderful spiritual exercise. I feel sorry for people that kick against this teaching and say it's not for everybody. I feel for them. I feel for them. Because they're just fighting for their right to do without something precious. It's like people that fight and say, well, I don't believe it's God's will for all to be healed. I just don't believe that. They're fighting for their right to be sick. Why would you want to do that? It's just not, it's just not so. I can, you know, a lot, of these, a lot of these people that want to fuss about these things, they don't speak in tongues. They're not qualified to talk about it. They don't know what they're talking about. I was a Christian at one time and for some time that did not speak in tongues. Now for years I have spoken in tongues. I'm qualified to say. And I say, with is better. Amen. Now if you don't speak in tongues, then you don't know. You have nothing to base your, you know, theories on. But thank God for speaking in tongues. I love speaking in tongues. It helps you. 1 Corinthians 14, turn there real quickly. 1 Corinthians 14 reveals some things to us about this wonderful spiritual Exercise. First Corinthians fourteen. And we'll notice particularly in verse fourteen. First Corinthians fourteen fourteen. He said, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth. So your spirit's active, isn't it? If your spirit's involved in some activity, there must be some exercise. Right? Some expenditure of spiritual energy. Your spirit is active. Your spirit is exercising. But my understanding is unfruitful. You're not working your head much, but you're working your spirit. So what is it then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. How many know you need to work out your body? And you need to work out your mind, right? Understanding too. Most importantly, you need to exercise your spirit and develop your spirit. 
Sometimes people miss it because they, you know, when they get filled with the Spirit and speak with tongues, they get to thinking that, well, now, you know, that I'm filled with the Spirit, uh, my mind is not a factor anymore. And people talk like, well, I wish I could just turn off my mind. And I wish I could just remove my mind. No, 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 no. Then you'd be mindless, zombie. <laughs> you need a mind. Some folk need some help with their mind. I mean, it's not that they need to go backwards in mental development. They need to go forward. And being spiritual does not, being, does not mean being a mental imbecile. Just because you develop spiritually does not mean you don't develop mentally. In fact, the two are connected. Like I said, if your spirit's real strong and there's a higher level of life in your spirit, it affects your mental abilities. And it affects, as well as your physical. Now, uh, you know, I've seen some people that tried to act like that, you know, if you're real spiritual, then you may not be much mentally. But that's not so. The most spiritual people I know, I mean, are sharp mentally. And I, and I know that the more I've developed spiritually, it's helped my intellectual abilities tremendously. Because the stronger my spirit gets, the sharper you get. You think clearer. You focus better. You remember. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, it's just, it's, it's better. Your spiritual development affects your mental development. And I can tell, that's one of the factors I go by as to how well I'm doing spiritually. When I begin to get slow, and it seems like it's hard for me to concentrate, and, and that kind of thing, see, that's a reflection of my spiritual condition. Seems like it's hard to make decisions. Seems like, you know, you, it's a pain for you to have to think about something and have to deal with something. Then that's revealing that your spirit is weak. Because when your spirit's real strong, then it causes your mind to clear out. And your focus is good. And you're sharp. And you can see things the way you should. And that helps you make decisions. And you can jump on a problem and just, instead of it intimidating you, and you're thinking, oh no, I've got to think some more. <laughs> no, you're strong, so you just grab it. Yeah. And think, yeah, we get this. We'll figure it. And just look at it. And, and it's faith. Because if you believe you can grasp and understand something, then you can. Right. Faith. And so, you know, the, all this comes back to a strong spirit. Strong inner man. Well, uh, I've heard Brother Hagin say something, and, and uh, I've you know heard him say it many years ago, and I've thought about it and endeavored to practice it myself and watched and see uh, so, to prove it out for myself. He said this. He said he's proven it in his life. Of course, he's been in the ministry for 60 years. He said uh, that he's seen that the more he speaks and prays in other tongues, the more of the other nine manifestations of the Spirit he has. Because, see, yielding to the Spirit in one area makes you more prone to yield to the Spirit in other areas. And uh, it'll help you to, pr to pray and speak in the Spirit. It'll help you to be more aware of your own Spirit. And God leads you through your own Spirit. And if you'll speak in tongues, it'll help you be more aware of spiritual things. And the Bible said, you know, in Jude 20, remember what that said? But ye, beloved, doing what? Building up yourself. Isn't that what we're talking about? Building up yourself on your most holy faith. Doing what? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. Thank God for speaking in tongues. If you don't do it, start. If you've been doing it, see to it that you do it enough. Now another exercise of your spirit is confession of the word. 
speaking the word over yourself. Sure beats griping and complaining. Speaking the word over yourself. You know, how many know you got to discipline yourself to do that? And a lot of times you don't feel like doing it. A lot of times you, you feel like griping. But you got to make yourself, you know, you, you got some more bills in the mail maybe. And you added them to the pile you already had. And you're tempted to stand there and look at the bills and go, my Lord, where am I going to get all this money? Well, that's not the word. That's yielding to the flesh. That's talking the way you feel. But you need to put forth the effort, the spiritual effort, from your heart to speak the word and say, Thank God, I always have all sufficiency in all things and abound to every good work. That's what the word says. Thank God He meets all of my needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'm a giver and it's written. It'll be given back to me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It'll come back. I'll have all I need and more. Because God's a good God. He's a God of abundance. Now you've got to say that when you feel like crying. (laughs) You've got to say that while you're eating tomato soup and a half of a cheese sandwich. For the fifth time this week. You've got to say that when you just got off the phone with a creditor. Did you hear me? That's what faith is all about. Now another uh, spiritual exercise is praise and worship. Praise, worship, and thanksgiving. If you really do it from your heart, and you really do it in faith, it'll be exercising your spirit. Now, if you just do it off the top of your head, then all you're exercising is your mouth. <laughs> Maybe your head a little bit trying to remember the words. But if you really sing from your heart unto the Lord, in faith, believing He's accepting it, then you're exercising your spirit. And it's a wonderful spiritual exercise. I'm convinced most people, most people, the vast majority of Christians do not praise the Lord uh, like they ought to. They do not worship Him and praise Him like they ought to. And it's one of the reasons why their life is not on the level that it should be. I mean, you know, praise is one of the greatest expressions of faith that there is. Thanksgiving, worship. And man, if you really just praise God and praise God and worship God and praise God, it helps you keep your mind focused on the Lord. Helps keep your mind on the answer instead of the problem. Is that right? And I mean, when you praise God and glorify God, the Bible said He inhabits the praises of His people and God's presence and His grace and His peace and His glory undergird you and sustains you. If you go around praising the Lord. Amen. I said praising the Lord. Amen. It ought to just be a way of life with us. Amen. It's not just that we ought to just have praise times occasionally. Just like we ought not just have prayer times just occasionally. It's alright to have those. But that ought to be just something supplemental. Because you ought to have a lifestyle of prayer. And a lifestyle of praise. Somebody asked Brother Smith Wigglesworth one time. They said... Uh, how often do you, you know, how long do you usually pray is what they asked him. You know, when you, when you go to pray, how long do you usually pray at a time? He said, well, a lot of times, you know, not over 15 minutes. They were amazed. They thought, well, a great man like this probably pray for hours. He said, but, you know, I hardly ever go 15 minutes without praying. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, he's practicing the Bible verse that says pray without ceasing. Right? And it, that doesn't mean that you can't have times where you say, I'm, I'm going to kneel down here and pray for a while. Yeah, that's great and that's good. You ought to do that. But at the same time, you can commune with God all the time. I do that. I'm just talking to the Lord all the time. A lot of times if you'd come up behind me, if I didn't know you were around, you'd hear me say it. You'd think somebody else was around. Because he's real to me. And I just talk to him all the time. I talk to him about everything. I mean, I just a few minutes ago, I got out of my Jeep and I was walking in here and I thought about something and I asked the Lord to help somebody. I said, Lord, help them. Give them wisdom. Show them how to do this and show them how to do the Grace them. Grace them. Use them to help this and to help that. And then it's go on, get in my office and I'm looking at this. And a lot of times if I'm, if I'm saying something that's good, I'll say, man, that's good, Lord. Lord, that's good. Mm, 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 mm. Wonderful. He's real. I said, he's real. It needs to be real to you and you need to talk to him. All the time, commune with Him. And not just talk to Him and commune with Him, but praise Him, because He's worthy. Praise Him. Praise Him and worship Him. Tell Him how wonderful He is. Tell Him how big He is. He knows, but you need to know. Is that right? He needs to hear it from you that you know. Glory to God. And I tell you if, you, if you'll always be expressing your love and your adoration to Him, it'll just become more and more real to you. And He'll become more and more real to you. If you want God to be real to you, praise Him all the time. Amen. Praise Him all the time. Because what will He do? He will inhabit. Amen. He will inhabit those praises. He'll be right there with you. He'll manifest Himself to you. You'll sense His presence. You'll sense His person in and about your life. I didn't say you'd see visions and hear voices. Uh, that, th- those things happen sometimes, but, but that's not the thing that's going to happen most of the time. Praise Him. Praise Him. Now, another spiritual exercise is meditation. When you're just resting and just waiting on the Lord, just keeping your heart quiet and keeping your mind on the Lord. How many know that, that you have to exercise some things there? Because, man, if you let your mind wander all over the world and bounce off the walls, and just keeping your mind on the Lord and keeping yourself quiet is an exercise. And it's something a lot of folk have not really exercised themselves much in at all, and so they're not very developed along that line. And it's something you ought to do because they that wait on the Lord, They'll renew their strength. And if you keep your mind stayed on Him, He'll keep you in perfect peace. We've seen the connection between carnal mindedness and defeat and death and spiritually, spiritual mindedness and life and peace and success and development. There are a lot of things we could talk about. You know, one exercise that the Lord has taught me about the last few years especially is spiritual exercise is giving. Now, you know, you can just give off the top of your head and all it be is an exercise of your hand. But if you give from your heart by the unction and direction of the Spirit, it's a spiritual exercise. And I found this, that my capacity to receive is proportional with my ability to give. I'm talking about my faith to receive is in correlation with my faith to give. And I found as my faith to give has increased, that my faith to receive has also increased proportionately. Now you didn't get too much strong amens on that one. And uh, we're not about to take up an offering. I just, uh, just wanted you to know that. Wanted you to know that. Thank God, thank God, thank God. So all of these things 
if you'll exercise your spirit as you're feeding your spirit, it'll cause you to develop. Can you say amen? amen? Byproduct of that is that you can receive easier and resist better. Healing is just one of the many things you can receive. Stand up with me if you would. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.